Hi, I'm Tony Riddle, and this is the NatLife Pod, a platform for conversation to help close the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. Big shout out to this episode's sponsor, XL Coffee. XL are renowned organic coffee producers here in the UK who have gone to extraordinary lengths to ensure their coffee is mold-free and has kept its antioxidant potency. XL are waking up the world of coffee. I'm a big fan and recommend you go give them a try. Use discount code NatLifePod at checkout. Details are in the show notes. My next guest on the NatLifePod is Catherine Bjorkston, a beautiful soul, spiritual guide, healer, shaman, and mother of two boys. Catherine also holds the womanhood space within my NatLife tribe community, a trusted elder, I would say. Catherine is devoted to supporting people retrieving their connection to spirit and the earth, and remembering the ways of animistic consciousness beyond conditioning and life occurrences, aka traumas, that led us to forget our beauty, freedom, and potential. Now, who doesn't want to reconnect and remember their beauty, freedom, and their potential? This is a great conversation. I'm always inspired by Catherine. She's been a great healing support on my own journey. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Much love. I would like to call in the direction of the east, the rising sun, and the direction of fire. I'd like to welcome south, the direction of water, the direction of cleansing, of flow, the bodies of water, of life. And then I'm calling in the west, the direction of air, the wind, the bird tribe, the direction of letting go of the sunset, and the direction of north, the element of earth, where we have our ancestors, the stone people. It's the winter of our lives where we let go of what we don't need anymore and go into hibernation and start letting go and trusting in the dissolving of what we don't need and what doesn't serve us anymore. Also call forward the below, the mother, the great mother. And also call forward the above, the father, and the within in our hearts, the great mystery. And I ask for the support of Tony's helpers and my helpers who love us unconditionally and what needs to be said comes through us as clear channels letting go of any filters that do not serve the purpose of this conversation today and we're setting an intention in our hearts for the highest good and the highest good of all to be conveyed through this podcast so it may be received by those who need to hear messages, the insights that land in their heart, in their consciousness and awareness. And so it is. Aquen.
Beautiful. Catherine. Welcome to the Hat Life Pod. Tony, thank you. And it's good to lean in. <laughs> it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's good to lean in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was staying at 42 Acres last night. Mm-hmm. An invitation to stay there. My friend Seth, it's his space, and he was back from South Africa. So we sat, we had dinner, and some other people arrived. And there's a woman there called Breeder who's looking after the land and healing the land. And suddenly the conversation starts to move towards, you know, what people are doing or what do you do? Mm. And I was asked first, so I, I spoke to being a human, a husband and a father. And of course, they're all multifaceted. There's many things that happen within it. Rather than what the labels can come from, oh, I could be podcaster, um, endurance athlete, whatever, author, you know, space holder, <laughs> badass, <laughs> whatever, you know, yeah. or inspiring human, you know, because we yeah. all are an inspiring human, I believe. Um, or we have the potential within us to be or inspiring humans, right? Mm. Um, and then... Breeder then unpacked what she would do or what she's doing and what she was there for on the land, which is healing the land. And as the conversation started to unravel, I was thinking, God, it'd be great to have Catherine here (laughs) (laughs) to speak to, you know, for Catherine to say, ah, what does Catherine do? Because there's the, there's the mum, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also, there's the healer. So there's the mum, so I can speak to the Catherine, the woman, the Mm. mother. But there's also um, Catherine who, when my ankle is blown up and I call it a cankle, will voice message me to say, I'm going to do a healing for you. Are you okay with that? (laughs) You know? So in terms of multifaceted, that's definitely there, right? Yeah. And it's... Who is Catherine? uh, Well, that's... I, I don't know. <laughs> I've been trying to answer that question for a while. Yeah. Uh, and 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 jokes aside, I think it is actually a, a lifelong journey. Mm. I think we don't arrive somewhere and the labels sometimes prevent us from that yeah. um, because we get so stuck in them so that we lose the momentum of evolving over time and accepting that. Uh, And I see that a lot in the spiritual community, myself included, where there needs to be a point of arrival when the suffering stops because we've become the healer, we've become the shaman, we've become whatever. And not necessarily even working in the healing arts, but just knowing that when we get there, then we'll stop suffering. Mm. And I mean, so far, I don't think that I've arrived anywhere where the suffering stops. And that's what all the different teachings from all the different traditions say. It's like, you know, it's a journey and it's like such a cliche, but it really is about the journey and not the destination and very much so in the spiritual scene. So I think what I roll with these days is definitely what you just shared in terms of being a mom, um, you know, middle-aged um and you know perimenopausal and everything that comes with that and and a single mom um and that is a journey in and of itself and then if you add on top of that the fact that my path has a spiritual connotation and has been pretty brutal <laughs> because my calling is of a spiritual nature and um I still find it difficult to sort of define what I do 
I feel like we were talking earlier, you know, we kind of jump, always jump into like, so what do you do mm-hmm. so that we can box in that person and we just know how to deal with them. And for ourselves included, it's like, okay, this is who I am. Then I don't have to look at the bigger picture. Um, I feel that there is a lot going on with middle-aged women because it's my bracket also, but women who have been on this path for a while and who've accumulated a certain amount of wisdom who would have, you know, definitely not made the cut when it was the burning times. <laughs> definitely would have been on the stake. <laughs> um, and you mean any woman that had a voice at that well, time? Well, pretty yeah, much, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was not so much about the witches. It was about being a woman mm. who is connected to herself, connected to the earth, to go back to what you were sharing about yeah. 42 acres and the dinner and working with the land, having that connection with the earth that is innate and not feeling separate from nature, from from mother earth as a being basically Mm. who represents the feminine in all her splendor and that's the thing and then we have you know the healers but maybe that's a branch or the herbalists or the midwives and actually the whole concept of midwife is something that's really come in very strong for me because I've been sitting with like so what is it that that I do and that I offer and I was speaking to my mentor um, who's in Australia who's an incredible woman and she was like well based on everything that you've shared with me in your journey, you help people birth their souls, basically. Like you're a soul midwife. You're here at the threshold when they go into the underworld and completely unravel and die to all the expressions of who they thought they were Mm. and then re-emerge. So it's kind of based on the myth of Inanna, who's like a Sumerian goddess, and she goes through seven gates to go and see her sister, Erishkagal, who's um, the goddess of the underworld. And as she goes through the seven gates to go and meet her in the underworld, she needs to undress or take away something that really means to something to her very important. And by the time she gets to her sister, she's naked. And then she gets impaled on a, on a pole <laughs> and is there for three days. She's dying, basically. And then she is revived. I mean, this is the short version of the story and she rises and that's also the hero's journey basically. Mm. So it really is, you know, walking beside people as they're going through their hero's journey. So that's the best description that I can give of, you know, who I am in this world and what my incarnational choice has been. But combining that with being a mom has been a challenge. Um, But it has been absolutely necessary for me to stay grounded. When you have children, you can't just check out. So they've been my greatest teachers in that respect also to just stay really earthbound. Mm. Yeah, and relatable. And relatable. I think the relatable piece is there. Yeah. You know, because I, I feel that you're incredibly grounded with it. Like you're grounded with the work Mm. and maybe that's the kids family piece that keeps that there. But also I see it's relatable in Mm. that sense, you know, because I've operated in operated, (laughs) you know, I often feel that there's this, the embodiment physical practices. Mm -hmm. And then we have the spiritual practices and feeling awakened and enlightened or all want to ascend, right? You want to get to that place. Um, and then we have the social self in the middle of that, that 
can depend on what we're exposed to. So when I first started on my journey, it was very much the physical movement practice. And I could have reduced that right down into just training, heavy, lifting heavy or doing whatever. And then eventually that capacity to move well and viewing it, oh, what does this look like in nature? What is the indigenous of this? You know, mm. Then really open up a whole movement vocabulary. Then what does breath look like? What does sleep look like? What does diet look like? All of that, but all the physical stuff. But I'd never really understood the spiritual. Mm. And then something happened. I have like my breakdown, breakthrough moment. And suddenly I'm exposed to a whole new world. But what I then noticed within being exposed to this world was how little understanding there was of the physical practices. Yeah. You know, like the embodiment. Yeah. So it was again going in search of being awake and alert and uh, and enlightened, and almost like a spiritual superiority that felt like was coming through that space. Mm. Um, but yet not embodied, and I and for the way I looked at it, it was not very healthy in that sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. I and that's definitely something that's happening a lot uh, with the new age spirituality. Um, so there are two two parts: is the embodiment and then the superiority. And I'll start with the embodiment. So what you just spoke to is so important because a lot of people are using spirituality as just another escape route. They might as well just go down to the bar and, you know, like go on a bender basically to disassociate, to just completely disconnect from what's difficult for them. Mm. Whereas true spirituality, quote unquote, um, is very embodied. It's very human. It's very much, you know, who are you as a human being? the ability to sit with yourself through discomfort. So it's not about escapism at all, on the contrary. And going back to, you know, going into the underworld and to explain a bit the underworld is basically when we go into a dark night of the soul or really into a very difficult part of life where we're becoming undone, basically, because we have to move to another version of ourselves. And that's the part that most people flee from you know they want an escape and in the society that we live in i mean you know take your pick you can get anything from you know social media to online shopping to food relationships sex i mean drugs anyway there are so many things to choose from to just get out of our bodies whereas mm. what we really need to do is to be in our bodies and that's the discomfort and I hope, my, my hope, sincere hope, is that there will be more people in the spiritual world who are more embodied because, unfortunately, not, that's not the one that sells. Everybody wants the magic wand. So, you know, all the, the plant ceremonies, which I respect tremendously because I've worked with plant myself. It's not my journey so much, but I have experienced many of them and they've taught me so much. But now it's become you know, a bit of a circus, to be completely honest. And a lot of people yeah. who come for, for healings often have been blown up by plants. They're so, like, fragmented that they don't even know who they are anymore. But that's another, that's another um, story. So what happens very often is that people will go into spirituality when they look for answers because something doesn't sit right with them and they're going through a transition. But that transition then becomes, can very easily become another form of escaping. Mm. So bringing awareness to that has been a huge part of what I want to bring into the spiritual world. And, and yeah, I've been, you know, collaborating with um, 
a journalist on that and a big piece came out in the Times. And I'm really grateful that it made to the mainstream media because people come into spirituality when they're vulnerable. They don't come into spirituality when everything is there in alignment and grounded. Yeah. So we need more people who have the ability to sit with the people, being the midwives, basically, mm. or however you want to call it, but who they themselves haven't gone through that. And Mid, midlife midwife. Exactly. Totally. Mm. And so that's the, the embodiment part that I, is so incredibly important because a spirituality that is not embodied is just an escape, basically. And for the spiritual arrogance part of things, that's kind of come on the back of that because several people who are drawn to be spiritual teachers or leaders, as we've seen many different examples in the mainstream with those who have fallen, mm -hmm. whether it's Yogi Bhajan or Osho or John of God, um, who are incredibly highly regarded spiritual teachers or healers and then... I mean, it just turned into a bloodbath or really horrible things. Um, very often when we step into that role, it can go into our heads, you know, and a lot of people who do want to hold that leadership role in the spiritual space can be quite manipulative and they kind of mm. get off on the whole, you know, being adored and revered. And it builds up slowly. It's not, I think, something that just happens overnight, but if we take it back into an individual scale of an individual's journey, what happens is like, well, I've understood all these concepts. I'm special. There's a lot around being special. And then that just kind of goes into, well, I'm superior to you because I've done this and I've seen this and you can't. So I'm better than you. And I think everybody goes through that phase when they're on a spiritual journey and they don't pay attention to the moments where they're being humbled mm. and they bypass them. So that's the whole spiritual bypass sort of thing that is huge. So people don't want to sit with their darkness. They don't want to recognize their own shadow, which is why shadow work is so important. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two aspects that I think are really important to talk about when it comes to spirituality, the embodiment and then not falling into the trap of spiritual arrogance because it doesn't make you better at all than anyone else because you've understood, you know, your inner workings and, you know, some more esoteric workings. Well, I guess if we really understand that true meaning of we are all one, mm. then how could it be that someone would be more spiritual than another? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because the acceptance is we're actually we're all one. Yeah. I mean, what I've seen with, you know, spiritually embodied role models, they are a very humble because they understand that this is not about them. Mm. And that's a, a key to, I think, a big key to spiritual awakening is to understand this is not about you. This is about your contribution to the greater whole. Are you going to accept to do this and not take the credit, but just just be an instrumental piece of the collective awakening? I guess that's that staying in the divinity, right? Mm. Because there's the, as you spoke to there, it's like leaders perhaps getting to a point where they become dictator, perpetrator. Yeah. Then you have the savior, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately you then have a victim. Mm -hmm. The know? drama triangle. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's a try. Yeah, it is a triangle, yeah, right? And there's threes totally. there again. Yeah. 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 So there is that. And I think, I mean, 
I recognized it from holding space and how you can be put on a pedestal. Yeah. And, but you can feel it as well. And I, th and there is something from do doing work mm -hmm. to be in alignment, to work towards this authentic self is you, you do pick up on the subtleties of yeah. that, you know, when people aren't quite aligned or being authentic around you mm. and are putting you up here on something. Yeah. You know? I think that's something that comes with leadership in general, projection. Yeah. So it's not easy. It's fascinating as yeah. a space to hold. Yeah. You know, because going back to this physical, physical, spiritual model, because you first came to see me in Hampstead. We were in Hampstead. Well, you're in Hampstead still, right? Yeah. You're still yeah. in Hampstead. And um, that was, again, that was about you wanting to really connect with more of the physical body, right? Yeah. And to become embodied. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what, since that, so then we then meet again, the 100 human experience and stepping into that space, which just aligned like that, right? Again. Yeah. Um, and now I've, I've given you that invitation to come on board with the 100 human experience because yeah, I see there's, there's so much depth within that work. Um, what are your feelings around the 100 human experience thus far? You know, you've visited it, you've been there, you've immersed in it. Um, because there's so, there's so many synergies, there's so much alignment within it. Yeah. Right? Um, I think 100 humans is encapsulates what people really need right now. So connection to community, yeah. connection to the earth, nature, connection to themselves and connection to their bodies. And those are really, and, and obviously the overarching word is connection. People mm. are looking for a connection. They're desperate for a connection, especially after everything that we've been through, you know, like collectively with COVID and isolation and isolation and loneliness are like sky high right now. People don't really want to talk about it because it's quite shameful. Nobody wants to admit that they're lonely or isolated. And, but it is something that is really kind of taking over society on the human psyche. And ironically, we live in the, you know, hyper-connected world, but not in terms of humanity. Mm -hmm. And what's being lost is the humanity. And so an experience like the 100 humans brings together a huge group of people. Um, I believe very much in uh, group consciousness. So mm. it's always like the right people who meet at the right time. So there's that. And then there's the setting being connected to the earth. And then, you know, like we'll have the sweat lodge, there is a fire and there's usually a body of water. And then there's obviously the earth, you know, herself and the air. So all the nature spirits are around as well. And there is also something to the people who do feel drawn to, you know, working with you and coming to these kind of events where they know that there's something more and they're missing that and they're drawn to similar types of souls. Mm. And part of the journey, as much as there's, you know, the physical, you know, with the ice baths and everything else that is done there and the movement and and all of that, there's also like the spiritual aspect of it, of like coming together as um as a group consciousness yeah. and that I collective think that, bonding exactly comes in. yeah <clears throat> and people really need also that reconnection with spirit which is very much something that we've lost in the west like we don't live spiritual lives 
unless we then go overboard into like being over spiritualized in our identities and that's not helpful either. So I think when there's earth and spirit together, it's always a good combination. And then the community really brings the human piece mm. in, like the humanity, the humanness that we all have. Because what was beautiful when um, I came to Cornwall for the last one was to hear people share their stories, uh, being vulnerable, you know, and 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 it being not for a show. It's like genuine, you know, I'm a human. So it all comes back to humanity being a human, which is, you know, being more human, the title of your book. And it really is about that. I think. Thank you for plugging my book there. Yeah, yes. you're very welcome. <laughs> I'll plug in my later. <laughs> it is called You Are Loved Essential Spirit Guides and Guardians. <laughs> we, get, we, get, we can do it. We'll do it. <clears throat> we'll give it a real stage in a moment. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but like what I think what brought us back together was like really that synergy of mm. how do these um, two worlds come together because it is wholeness and a return to to the earth, but also a return to our souls and our spirits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels very, they always feel so deep, those experiences. And of course it's evolution. It's always growing. And the intention of the work is really underpinned by that level of connection. Yeah. You know, that's ultimately where I feel a lot of the suffering is. Yeah. The lack of connection. Yeah. You know, loneliness is one thing. I think if you choose solid in solitude, that's, that's yeah, fine. Different. You sometimes yeah, have to go in the cave, don't you, and do yeah. the, and do the work. Yeah. But ultimately, we are this kind of social being, right? Yeah. We need that. And then it's, well, what behaviors and beliefs are within that social community mm. that then will affect the way I perceive the world spiritually or yeah. or physically, right? Yeah. That's the importance of that work. It feels, you know, to really shine a light on more. This is what it is to be human. This is what it is to actually share in a circle like that. How many people do that now, right? Yeah. Really to be that, that yeah. have that level of awareness even to be able to sit in a circle like that. Yeah. You know, your book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's the title again? Go on. You are loved. You are loved. <laughs> Essential spirit guides and guardians. There we go. How was that process for you? Oh, that was a journey and a half yeah. or two. Uh, I think anyone who's written a book, yourself included, goes on a journey. Like the book is an initiation. That's how I see it. We think we know what we're writing about. And then the book has a whole agenda in and of mm. itself where are you really sure you're embodying what you're writing about? Are you really sure you know what you're talking about? So my experience was you know, I know spirit guides. I got it down, you know, like I was doing my shamanic training. I've been on the journey for a while, probably like a good 10 years by then, if not 20 different stages, but like 20 years on the journey and 10 years in the more shamanic realms. Mm. And um, I mean, from the moment of starting to write, I only had six weeks to write it. And then my parents were supposed to come and support with the, with the boys. And then that was March 2020. We all know what happened then. So, I mean, it was just one thing after another. Um, but I would say the main learning that I had was that when the book came out, which was February 21, I was so spent from writing the book, uh, from going through various experiences that really broke me down that I had a burnout, basically. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever fully surrenders until they really have to. 
you don't because you know you hold on your ego and your body and your mind and is holding on which is you know human nature and that's why we very often get to these breaking points when we get to a threshold of shifting consciousness mm. and that's what you know the book did for me it was an initiation it was like you think you know how to surrender to spirit you know you think you know how to fully trust spirit let's see here's the sermon yeah yeah and i had to i i had no choice i was in in such a space that i had no choice but to take my own medicine that is kind of shared in the book mm stuff but incredible yeah i i mean six weeks how on how on earth did you do that in six weeks no wonder there's burnout if i think about the length of time it took me to really write yeah. my book from when it initially when it dropped in as tony you should write a book yeah and then another time tony you should write a book and the amount of nudges i was getting like consciousness being the most patient teacher of all keeps pro prodding prodding to mm. eventually oh, okay i'm listening and it getting out there but even then still good two years i think of writing but mm. distilling it because there's so much we can speak to and then as well how much can we get into a book that's however many words that you can offer yeah part of your deal or whatever that is and how much you're prepared to strip back and reduce down as well right yeah um so the guides right and this 10 year and 20 year window and getting a book out there when did it first drop in like when where I mean, guides, right? So we have guides around us. You have guides around you, right? Yeah. When did that first come in or when did they show themselves? Um, first of all, I think we all do mm. have a whole spirit team around us. Uh, it's not because we can't see them. They don't exist. It's like Wi-Fi. Everybody believes in Wi-Fi, but then spirit guides is a bit of a stretch. It's like, why? Why? <laughs> you know, yeah. they both work yeah. and they're both unseen. Um, for me, I think, and I think for everyone, there are many different sort of iterations of awakenings, if you want to call them as, as such. Um, I was in a bookstore in Finland. So I'm Finnish originally, but I grew up in France. And I had moved to Finland in my early 20s to finish. Uh, I did a master's degree. And I went into a bookstore, which was like a new age kind of bookstore in Helsinki. Not my jam at all. For some reason, I ended up going there. And I was standing there looking at books and I felt this presence that like literally walked through me. Like I, it was completely undeniable. I was like, what was that? And I felt that it was my grandfather on my father's side who I never met. He died 10 years before I was born. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like my whole world got pretty rocked. And um, at the same time, I started a physical healing journey as well. I started working with a with a with a body worker. I started yoga. And pre all of that, it was a lot of partying, like a lot, which was fun. But then I feel at some point, you know, we have a break. And that was my break. My mm -hmm. body started kind of like really not having a good time anymore. And so these things started aligning, just having also Connecting with yoga brought a spiritual dimension to my life, which I didn't have at all, even though I went to French Catholic school, but that was not, you know, that was not at all a point of reference for me for what spirituality is. So that was really the first spirit encounter, I would say. And a few years later, my grandmother who was very, very close to passed away. And somehow I ended up sleeping in her bed after the funeral. And 
I mean, her presence was insane. Like she was literally hovering over me the whole night. Didn't really understand what was going on at that stage. But so those were a few kind of markers. And then things just start, you know, kind of intensifying. Um, and in when I moved to London in 2004, I was working hard, playing hard and ended up with my good city for that. Yeah. Exactly. And I just was burning the candle from both ends mm. and ended up stranded in bed for about 10 days with what was probably a burnout, didn't know at the time. And I was guided by someone who I connected with to just say, you know, like, why don't you go and see this medium? Because I was at my wit's end. I was like, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. And she recommended to go and see a medium at the College of Psychic Studies in London. And I was like, again, not my jam at all at that time. And I went to see her because she was Finnish. I thought, you know, the Finns are pretty like, you know, they can't be like completely wacky. And she started channeling my grandmother and she gave details that you couldn't possibly know. And my grandmother said in that session, it's about time that you're here. So, and then I started working or I started taking courses at the College of Psychic Studies and like my whole psychic world just like unlocked pretty quickly. And at one point it got pretty scary so I just had to step away from that and since then it's kind of like turned into then I became a mom that was a massive initiation and I took a bit of a break from the spirit spirit world and then in 2013 the whole shamanic thing started kicking in and that's been pretty relentless since so those has been those have been like my initiations and every single time there would be an awakening there would be more closeness to the spirit world but to be able to get to this closer to the spirit world, the Lakotas have a saying where they say a person in grief is the closest to spirit. So there is no keeping your heart closed and staying safe in your old habits and putting on all the armors and the walls and getting close to spirit. It just doesn't work like that. So you have to go through this process of breaking down and then you're also showing the spirit world that you are willing mm. to come closer to them. And the way that works, and I learned that in the very beginning when I was going back and forth to Peru, where I was apprenticing with uh, indigenous people there, they say, you know, power comes with great responsibility and the spirit world is not going to show you its secrets until they know that you're reliable, because then it goes into dark magic, et cetera, et cetera, which is still practiced but you will be tested in your integrity and your willingness over and over and over. Beautiful. Mm. Grief and the heart. Mm. Yeah. So on the, um, man, man, March from November, <clears throat> I brought this in at the beginning. So we'll speak to this now. It might make more sense. I blew my ankle up. I then, on day 14, decided I'd go and sit in a sweat lodge, which I voiced to you and you were very much aligned with so many others in who the hell goes and sits in a sweat lodge after 14 back-to-back -back marathons. <laughs> <clears throat> but I often feel I have to go to those places yeah. to perhaps receive what you receive on the daily. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I 100% get that we have guides around us. You know, for me, however... I almost have to take myself to the ultimate 
point of breaking myself mm -hmm. down physically. It's as if there's like a, what should I call it? Not like, not an armor, but there's a, something physical there that has to break down within me yeah. to weaken me. So it happens on, um, what was the first real understanding? I guess hitting Scotland after running, like, I think I was probably about 700 and something miles in of a endurance event, right? And I felt I was running and there were trees either side of this little track, like a bicycle track in amongst the forest. And I felt that the trees were still here, right? But as I'm running, the trees next to me are doing this, mm -hmm. like literally running with me. And then it felt like I had ancestors all around me as I'm running, right? Mm -hmm. Another time then I'm running um, right near the end, like around about the penultimate day, and my grandfather drops in, like really cl clear, like running on my shoulder like that. I can literally see him and speaking to me. And um, You needn't think we were going to make it that easy for you, did you? You were taking the easy route out. If you really want to get there, you have to work hard for these things, Tony, in a real strong Geordie accent. It was so <laughs> clear it was him. And then I looked across and this rainbow appeared out the water and that become Bowman's name, as in rainbow, but Bowman, because Katerina was eight months pregnant at that stage with him. And then I turn a corner and there's this big sign for Glen Morangi, which is a whiskey distillery, and that was that's the whiskey he was drinking. You know, it's mm. also there. But again, I wonder how much we miss because of how much we are distracted, right? You know? And so back to the sweat lodge. In the sweat lodge... Again, I'm sitting there and I'm taking myself to the real extremes because I have 14 marathons back to back and a sweat lodge already is like huge extremes, a birthing experience, right? Mm. It feels very much like that. And a voice dropped in and it was, you know, you're the minority of the minority of the minority who gets to do these things and, um, you know, what, what percentage of that minority do you feel you need to get down to so you feel strong enough on two feet? A guy who's sitting opposite me, we're in the darkness, just a mm -hmm. few glowing rocks in the middle, and he says, why don't you just stop running, Tony? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and yeah. in my head, I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean, stop running? You know? And then we speak the next day, <clears throat> and you say, do you mind if I do a healing for you? And I was like, I'd love you to do a healing. Do you want to discuss the healing? Do you, would you mind unpacking it? Because I was going to voice it, but I think it'd be much better to come from you, mm -hmm. you know, as to where we got with it. So as you set up a drumming, yeah. drumming healing ceremony, right? Yeah. So first of all, you always have to have permission from the person that you're going to do yeah. one for, which is why I asked you. Yeah. And it just came to me because one of the things also with the drum or healing, you can just send power to someone who is not doing well for whatever reason, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, and the way the shamanic kind of work works is that everything starts in in the in the energetics and then the last port of call is when it hits us physically so we start energetic and then it's emotional mental physical and so i wasn't necessarily addressing anything physical i knew that you were you know dealing with with that yourself but um i think it's uh it's I just felt, you know, inclined to offer you that because of our rapport and how we work together. And 
Um, so I went, basically, I took my drum and got to my altar and started drumming. And I didn't have in, in mind at all to get into like what's going on for you, but that's just what happens. And then, you know, start the, well, the, the stream of consciousness, if you want to call it as such, or the guides start dropping in and are like, okay, well, this is what's going on for him. This is what he needs to pay attention to. Like, you know, the, the ankle is just the end result. So... I got the bear that we discussed quite a bit um, because I work a lot with animals. The bear was really obvious, um, as in one of the medicines that was present around you. The bear is very much introspection. It's also hibernation. We were in winter, so it all kind of made sense. Mm. And then, I mean, I get the first message that I got was exactly the same one as the guy in the sweat lodge. Like, you got to stop running. You know, whatever you're running from, you know, like this is this is not the way because now you're starting to injure yourself. Mm. Um, and then I usually kind of just drop deeper and deeper because a shamanic healing is basically a trance kind of induced healing where the guides start working. I don't really do anything. It's like my guides who then meet your guides and they start working on you. Um, and then I felt the heart, you know, like I felt your heart so much and, and grief and that just kept on coming up like grief, grief, grief. And there's something to clear around that. And then I'm also very often, well, most of the time given instructions up to what the person needs to do. So I told you that you needed to make an offering to your ancestors and whatever, you know, that looked like to you, whatever you felt was needed. Yeah. And that was basically, that was kind of it really. <laughs> And, and yeah, and, you know, I do that with people who I feel also are kind of, you know, receptive to this, I think. And I felt that definitely, you know, in your case and. hundred percent. Yeah. And I also was out running the next day, mm. which was quite something considering where it was at. There was a snake in there, right? So there was a totem healing yeah. snake, wasn't it? Wrapped around the ankle. Yeah. And then the snake went to the heart and then highlighted grief around the heart. Yeah. Yeah, it was fascinating. I did, I did do a ceremony. You recommended wine for the ceremony. And I really had to work on myself because I was hoping to do the ceremony in the evening, right? Mm -hmm. And we also had someone staying, this mm. the John who was staying at the house, who flew in from the States mm. with us for 14 days to join me on the path. And he wasn't feeling well. So he was laid out in what would be my session room, right? Where right. I'd like to hold a ceremony of sorts, right? And... And it was howling down outside, so I think I'm not going to go and hold this thing outside. So I then I held a ceremony in the morning um, with wine, with uh, this biodynamic wine, oak casked, whatever, mm. biodynamic wine. And it was also testament to, again, how far I've come because it was like early in the morning. I was thinking, wow, okay, look. Yeah. You know, I'm here celebrating. I didn't have any wine. I just mean as in have a ceremony with wine in the morning highlighting the fact I wasn't drinking any of it, I guess. Yeah. But also this, the grief piece, mm. you know, really speaking to that and understanding that, right? Yeah. And what even the thinking about ancestors and what ancestors perhaps had to run from, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think there are two aspects. The, the snake is also the feminine mm. and she's definitely very present right now in our paradigm shift that we're all looking at that is so desperately needed and yeah. the other thing the feminine is very much related to grief she is usually the the kind of container of grief and we don't have spaces to grieve in our society 
Mm. I mean, you grieve when you really have a reason, you know, loss of a close of a loved one. And then you have what, like a month and then you're supposed to bounce back. Like, you know, there's no space also for other aspects of grief. Grief is not only sadness. Grief can be rage. Mm. That is not a play, something that we can express in our society that easily. So I think in terms of working with energetics and in a more shamanic way, and going back to, you know, the work that you offer people, it's really coming back to our natural way of being. And the more we can understand that, the easier it becomes. You don't have to run, you know, like ultra marathons to then break down the walls that prevent you from connecting to the spirit world. Because Being able to process, right? Exactly. Yeah. And just having that connection, that's also very much the message of my book. It's like, it's all around us all the time. And we have these resources that we don't tap into because we're so unaware of them and we just don't know how to do it. And it also requires that we need to lower our defenses and our addictions, et cetera, et cetera, because otherwise we're just constantly distracted from what wants to be communicated to us. We need a level of stillness and connection to have that relationship with the spirit world mm. and a reciprocity, which is super important. And that's, again, something that I learned when I started traveling to Peru. They have the concept of Aini, which is the concept of right relationship. And that is something that we need to have with our relationship to spirit. It's like any relationship. You can't expect to have a good friendship or a good marriage or a romantic relationship if you're not going to have a reciprocity in it. It doesn't work. And that's the thing that is happening in the West now with spirituality. We want the healings. We want the messages. We want the visions. What do you give back to the spirit world? And mm. that is a really important piece of the puzzle, which is also why, you know, I told you, like, this is what you need to do to honor your ancestors and establish that connection. And then you also started going into really the whole um, reading about the bear spirit and whatever came up for you with that was amazing because it, it resonated so much when you started sharing about your findings. I was like, this makes so much sense. And that's how the spirit world works. It's very Indiana Jones when, whichever it was, it's, I think it's the last crusade where, you know, he needs to cross that void mm. and there's a huge void and he's like, if I step out, I'm going to die. And then it was all about taking that leap of faith. And then there was this kind of like see-through kind of path. And that's the way of spirit. You have to take that first step and have no guarantee. And then you'll be shown why you have to do all this which is something that we don't like because <laughs> we want the guarantee. We want to know what we're getting before we do it. But faith is super important. The NatLife Pod is a platform for conversation to help close the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. This is also what underpins our online community, the NatLife Tribe. The NatLife Tribe is a growing health and natural lifestyle community where we offer weekly natural movement sessions, breathwork sessions, and hold a check-in safe space for the community to share, connect and raise a hand if help is needed. This is a great space to embody the practices that we often speak to on the NatLife pod. Full details on how to join the NatLife tribe are in the show notes. I hope to see you moving, breathing and sharing in there real soon. Yeah, I, 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 I got to go kind of almost to the beginning where we were discussing the influence of, say, plant medicine mm -hmm. and <clears throat> what feels like has come in for me because there is an there is a sense of reawakening remembering that's come through that you know yeah like there's there's 
more people in that reality bubble now. And it's yeah. getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which then means there's more of a collective shift occurring within that, which is also then bringing us closer to what feels like for me is the traditions of our lands, right? Mm. You know? So there's the shamanic influences of, say, the Amazon coming over, yeah, which is then reawakening what feels like what's the the traditions of our lands, like the shamanic influence of our lands as well, right? Um we discussed this around the hundred human as well, right? It's how to bring more of that influence in. Yeah. I even feel down to the language we use. Like we um there was a a circle I sat in recently called the Chieftain's Council. It's like men that are leading men's work. We spoke about this. Mm-hmm. And it was at forty two acres. And I had just started a druid druid re course. I really have trouble saying that. <laughs> to be a druid is probably easier, right? <laughs> yeah. And the start of it is the bardic, right? The bards and this storytelling, but also the traditions again, like there's this, the three cauldrons, have you heard about the three cauldrons? It then speaks to, um, you're born into this world and you have a, a, firstly, it was recognized in the fourth century, right? In Ireland. And then in the 14th century, it was Christianized in a way, right? And it was found in a poem called the three cold, the cauldrons of posy. And this also is in the east, right? It's in Tai Chi, Qigong, like the Dantian, like three yeah. fingers down from the that's that's the lower cauldron. It's also represented in cauldrons there. Yeah. So you have the lower cauldron and you're born with that full. It's like your life force, right? Then you have a middle cauldron, you have a top cauldron. Yeah. The top cauldron is down like this, like a hat that mm-hmm. you would wear. And the middle cauldron relates to this um, grief and joy. And so it's on its side. And when you experience joy, it tips up. And when you experience grief, it tips down. So it has this effect to it. And then the top one um, tilts. So as you become older and wiser to the world and more awakened, your cauldron then tips up and is then open, you mm. see, you know? And then that speaks then to, again, like the 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 embodiment and this need to feel like I'm ascending. Because if we're just searching up here to do the work up here, but without this, keep nurturing our life force, right? And in the East, there's lots of that. It's about the life force, lots of concentration around that, possibly less about here or here. And this is like the PTSD work around here, right? Working Mm. through that and the trauma. But again, all those cauldrons then have to be connected, right? And that's been in that, the the bardic work, right? And then there's some of the language like... um, Aho, for instance, right? Whereas we have Awen is in the in Welsh, but apparently to our lands would be Akwen, yeah? And then smudging, which we would do with um, sage, right? Mm-hmm. Came in from Scotland in these lands and it was called slaining. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you start to introduce even the, the language of the lands, you know? Yeah. Of what we can be bringing into ceremony here, you know? Yeah. Like the really, in, in, what's indigenous to these lands within ceremony. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that that's one of the main points, really, um, in terms of what we need right now. I mean, a lot of people start their journey going to South America or to the Far East, whether it's yoga, whatever the traditions are. Um, but ultimately, we're born here. Yeah. And we're here to reawaken the ways that we've forgotten that are connected to spirit. And I think that that's a huge part of 
the work that a lot of people who are drawn to spirituality as teachers, leaders, whatever, are doing here in Europe, because it's really missing. Yeah, it does feel like it's missing. But that's what I, that's I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm loving like being the observer almost of people going ah like there, there's a real feeling of remembrance there. Yeah. Um, and back to circles. So you're now holding womanhood. Yeah. Huh? How's that feel? It's amazing. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It's really... Thank you for holding it. Yeah, it's it's been great. So womanhood is um, a women's circle. Yeah. Um, women who find womanhood come through your work that you're offering. So somehow they connect with that first. So women who are connected to the earth, women who are connected very often to what we would call like the old ways. So, you know, being drawn to herbalism, treating things with you know, herbs, um, homeopathy, more more natural ways of being and healing mm -hmm. and, be, you know, just, I guess, motherhood as well would be, you know, approached a certain way. And one of the things that, um, first of all, uh, when I, I entered the space, I was tested myself and that's always how it works, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was like, we all went through a whole process together, which is always... Also, there was definitely a rebirthing going there, on. There, there was wasn't a there? rebirthing yeah. going on. And it was great because we all kind of went through whatever we needed to go through together. And that's what brings people together. You know, like all these initiations are also a way of getting people together. When you go through with something difficult together, then you get closer. Mm. Um, but what I've discovered so far through our monthly meetings and our WhatsApp group, which is really lovely, not overwhelming but very, you know, very authentic, very vulnerable. People bring really their true selves. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's not that easy to actually obtain that in a group uh, and especially of women. Um, and they're women, the, the, the red thread is women want to connect with women and be in circle again. And one thing that we were talking about earlier is as much as, the general population is looking for community. Women are looking for circles because they've lost the circle, mm. which is essential for women for many different reasons, just from a very basic sort of, you know, physical need of, you know, can you look after my child when I need to go and do, you know, whatever <laughs> you need to do, uh, just having the physical support to also the emotional support. Women just work in a different, you know, men and women are wired differently because they're here to do different things you know, things here on earth. So it's not anyone is right or wrong. We have different needs and women need each other because they understand each other on a more emotional level and cyclical level, because that's also the thing that has been moved away from our way of living, which is cyclical living, which is something that you also speak to because that's the natural way of being. Mm -hmm. We live in a linear society that is, you know, so if I take the example of women, women should be exactly the same from day one of their, their cycle to day, say, 28, if it's like a 28-day cycle. It's completely unrealistic. And anyone who's done a bit of work around, you know, the menstrual cycle or has an awareness, it's like women on day one and women on day 20 are very different people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how they're supposed to be. 
And it's the same with the seasons, you know, we're not meant to be in summer all the time. I mean, definitely not, you know, in Europe. I mean, then there are different parts of the planet that are a bit Well, more... like I've just gone for a huge hibernation period. Yeah. And really felt it this yeah. year. Like, I mean, the bear was definitely present right now. Yeah. And already, ah, oh, like literally overnight, oh, I'm awake again now. Mm. And that's the thing that we're missing because it's like, you know, we're highly caffeinated, we're highly medicated, you know, because we need to be linear. We need to be functional no matter what, you know, time of the year it is, wherever we're in our cycle, what, however we feel. And that is also what's led to, you know, the earth herself being completely overburdened mm. and, you know, the extractive, you know, colonialist approach to, you know, life in general. It's just like, what can I take for myself? Now we're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when we live in a circle and in a more sort of, you know, feminine way, mm. it's non-hierarchical. And that comes with its challenges as well, because if everybody needs to discuss everything before a decision is reached, it can take a while. Um, but the whole point is like, we have lived now for so long in a culture that just wants to take and extract that, of course, we are where we are. Mm. So the way I look at things is a huge part of the paradigm shift is a feminine influence of going back to cyclical living into going into, you know, resolving things in council and in circle. And it is slower and it might be more frustrating. And there's also the thing around community where everybody wants, you know, to go and live off the grid and want to have their communities and stuff like that. But they don't look at the fact that when you really are in a community, you have to deal with the frustrations of dealing with everybody's stuff that they're bringing. So a slowing down is so overdue, mm -hmm. so, so overdue because we're discarding the winters, the, you know, the autumn and the winter doesn't exist. We live in a society of perpetual spring and summer. That's all society wants. Mm -hmm. And someone who starts connecting with the more feminine ways is not an asset for the production line. And it's very apparent, especially in my age bracket of middle-aged women who are going towards menopause, because if we look at it from a very, you know, practical point of view, menopause, you're not fertile, you can't reproduce, so you're discarded. But there is one other mammal species that doesn't die out when they can't reproduce, and those are whales. Mm -hmm. And the whales in their kind of, in, in their society, the menopausal whales, the females, the elders, they're the leaders mm -hmm. because they know the way, they have the wisdom, and the whole community recognizes that and honors them for that. So we have a bit of a way to go. I love that. Mm. Keep wailing. Exactly. Well, I think actually, you know, jokes aside, I think no, I... we all need to wail right yeah, now yeah. because when we look at the state of the world and what humanity is capable of doing and accepting, and that's where I think another side of the feminine that has been very much repressed, which is the more dark goddess, more chaotic Kali type of energy comes in. It's the, it's not the mother Mary you know, like nurturing and lovely and calm and gentle, there is a part of the feminine that is very destructive and it's destructive of everything that is not truth and love. Mm. And that part of the feminine is not accepted by society yet. And she's coming a hundred percent and it's happening because if we're not listening, she's going to take over. I mean, mother earth has been here for billions of years. Yeah, yeah. She has nothing to worry about. We have something to worry about. Yeah, yeah. If we don't start listening. Yeah.
I mean, the earth is speaking to us constantly. I mean, just look at the weather, you know? Yeah, it's how many senses we're prepared to receive through, I guess, right? Yeah. And I think, again, living in a society that's largely distracted mm. by so many means, you know, how are we going to start hearing, I guess, is that question, mm. you know? Which is, again, why it's great to have conversations like this. Mm. Because for some who are already perhaps have been sitting in circles are familiar with some of the language and others will be like, what the, f mm. you know, right now. And then like last night, suddenly being sitting at a dinner table where it's just that's the conversation that's flowing around the table. It's normalized yeah. again, you know. Yeah. I guess it's re firstly removing the fear of judgment and what people are going to think about me if I start speaking about this stuff that I have going on or I've been experiencing. Yeah. And perhaps that's led by fear of years and years and years of that being suppressed or burnt at the stake or whatever was going on back there, right? you know? And then it takes, I guess, the masculine and the feminine. This is, they're just labels right now, right? But there has to be this acknowledgement, acceptance and support from both, Yeah. you know? Because, again, if we, we are all one, there's also, there's, you know, men and women, if we can support one another to empower each other, think of how strong that oneness is. I think that's one of the main things that we're looking at right now because we're divided into men and women yeah. and we need this union. Yeah. So men are doing men's work more and more, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm a mom of two boys, so it really means a lot to me. Women have been on their journey with, with women's work for a bit longer and there is so much hurt between the genders. Yes. It, there's so much hurt, so much resentment, so much feeling unsupported. And that's the biggest division that we need to address in terms of, you know, regaining our wholeness as a humanity. And when we're able to forgive each other, then we can get somewhere because we are creator beings, but we are severed for the moment. We're in this division that doesn't help us. Yeah, I think that what's beautiful now, which is really coming through within the men's circles that I've been sitting in or I hold, um, and I'm, you know, there is certain confidentiality because they're in circles, but there there is a conversation um, that appears a lot or an offering to the circle as to why men are there and it's to become firstly better partners you know better sons better men and equally to support their partners mm. and it's there is there there is very much feels like there's this language now of um <clears throat> definitely becoming yeah, better men for partners and to be fathers and sons. That's kind of feels the that language really hits and connects. Mm. You know, it's becoming a myself becoming a father to three daughters first before a son comes in. Mm. You know, that was highlighting it a lot for me. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, I, I, okay, I need to sort my act out here. I get it before I can bring a son in. You know. Mm. So um, I'm not sure how that works in the women's circles, but it definitely feels like there's a there's a message there that the men are in full support of the women in those circles, and that's why they're there, you know? Mm. Yeah. I feel that very much. It's like the feminine way is leading right now, slowly, and 
I, my, my, my prayer is that it is supported more because of what we just covered in terms of what humanity and, you know, our planet needs because it's not sustainable the way we're doing this. Um, and women really need to feel safe in the world to be able to be who they truly are. And I think there are a lot of women out there who are not feeling safe. Mm. Um, and there is a whole generation, my generation, um, mid forties, you know, a bit before, after, so Gen X, maybe millennials who, you know, who decided to opt for a divorce, you know, with all the difficulty that a choice like that brings. Um, and I think that's something that we're kind of dealing with at the moment, like the aftermath of that. So we have, you know, children in their teens mm. and we are going towards menopause. We are tired because hormonally we have a lot going on. We don't have the hustle hormones in us anymore. Um, well, I, I, I can speak exactly. I, mm. <clears throat> if you look at the city as an example mm -hmm. of the hustle, yeah, I don't think there's many men or women thriving in mm. that environment. If you yeah. look at, you know, just the physical self, yeah. what you can observe, let alone what's going on socially or spiritually. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, we live in a world that is just not honoring the human, mm. whether it's male or female. So I also wonder, you know, like, I really feel for men, like genuinely now, like I've been through a huge process with that. And, and you know, it always starts with our relationship to our parents. And I have so much compassion for men and some things that I, you know, took for granted or that I felt entitled to that are really emerging for me where I'm like, wow, like I couldn't see that in myself when I was in it. And I think a lot is, you know, a lot of responsibility is put on men that women take for granted and are not like, you know, they just think that that's just, it should just happen. So if we can't support each other mm. as men and women so that we can support our men, how is this ever going to get resolved? But I think women have a lot of, you know, self-reflection to do on what they've taken for granted from men. And I think also society has put that on men. So they've kind of run with that. It's like, well, our father always did it like this, the stiff upper lip, especially, you know, culturally, whether it's here or, you know, in Finland, like no emotions, you mm. just go, you know, hardcore. Going with, into battle right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And, and women don't understand that, you know, there is something more going on underneath the surface and the struggle for men. And, and I feel a lot of like grief around that where I'm like, you know, I, I, I wish I had done things differently, seen things differently and not ended up, you know, with consequences that, you know, ripple in different sort of directions. And I think a lot of women are going through this because there was such a gap in the awareness between where women had done their work and where men were at. And it's nobody's fault. It's a natural evolution of consciousness and it goes how it goes. Yeah, yeah. But also as you get older, you start seeing the consequences of, you know, your choices and as an individual, but as a, also as a generation. Yeah, which then alters your future behavior. Yeah, exactly. You know, as yeah. the behavioral shift, isn't yeah. it? And that's the most important part, going back to the whole conversation around spirituality. It's like, how can you be a better human? You know, first of all, forgive yourself mm. because of the awareness that you have of the things that you've done. 
you can't go back, but you can change your behavior. You can learn the lessons. And as cliche as it sounds, it really is about self-acceptance and self-love. If we don't get to that peace with ourselves, how can we extend that to someone else? And I think that that's what the spiritual journey really truly is about, whether it's through shamanism, through yoga, through meditation, through, you know, walking in nature simply. It is a return to ourselves. And that's why the inner work and the spiritual journey is so crucial right now, because this mass crisis that we're all kind of experiencing, we need to resolve it individually. If mm. we don't resolve it in ourselves, it's just going to keep on being perpetrated. Of course, there are other things that need to be addressed on a bigger scale and, you know, groups of people doing different things. But if we don't start from the self, then it's going to be a tricky road. Yeah, what that leaks yeah. into. Yeah. And what behaviors then keep dropping in to yeah. support it. Mm. It's all very serious again, right? <laughs> we were laughing at the beginning, weren't we? As we so set much. this up. <laughs> so this is this is an altar, right? Yes. Yeah. And the four directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, seven. Okay. But yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. go. Seven directions. So I work with seven directions. And so we have the four directions, which is east, south, west, and north, connected to the four elements. But then I also work with the below, which is the mother, the above, which is the father, and the within, which is the heart and the great mystery. So it's always about calling in those main kind of points. It's almost like we're creating a grid. So as... Catherine was laying this out. We got to this one over here. <laughs> and you said bones of, the, what is it? Bones of the ancestors. And I said, so I said, what's in here again? And Catherine said, teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, we were gone, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. And that was the message as well. Like, again, because I think with it, it's, I've noticed it so much within the, 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 the ceremony and the spiritual experience of how serious it gets, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, that cauldron needs to tip up too. There yeah. needs to still be joy within it, right? Absolutely. There's grief, but there's also joy. And I, I think it carries that emotion of that joyfulness is such power to it, right? Yeah. I um, I was on a beach in Ibiza and I was with my friend Nick Mulvey and he introduced me to this guy and, I, and I'd just come back from... Um, a medicine experience where they were working with cambo you know and they mm-hmm. burn dots on you and you have this purge and then i went from there to another experience so i was having a physical purge before going in and ascending because i loved ascending <laughs> Who <doesn't>? um <laughs> but i was very grounded and mm-hmm. embodied at the time so um this guy starts then unpacking you know tony now you know we have this it's so serious so we'll sit around with our buckets and have points burnt on us and put the cambo on he said the kind of tribes that we've been working with because we have this retreat space and um, they work with addictions in Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, so what? So what? The, what the guys will do is they they have sananga like drops in their eyes, so it, it opens their vision up, so they have like high definition vision. Um, then they put halfway up their nose to really open up their sinuses, so their sense of smell improves, right? And then they burn cambo on, so they have a complete purge, so that they don't they no longer smell like humans and they enter the forest so they no longer they have amazing vision they have an amazing sense of smell their senses are open yet they don't smell like a human 
you know, yeah. so they can move through the landscape and be the landscape and be accepted by it, right? Really in yeah. tune with nature. And then he finished with the joy piece and he yeah. said, and all the guys line up instead of puking in buckets and they have a competition so you can projectile vomit the furthest. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and that's something that I learned also again in Peru. It's like, you know, they're very serious when they go into a ceremony. Mm. Like it's very like, you know, you have to be on your A game. And when the moment the ceremony is closed, they just like run around like kids, you know, they yeah. play football, they joke around with each other. So anything that is not ceremonial, it's very joyful, very light. And that is something that I think is really important to remember on the spiritual journey. And I definitely have, you know, kind of gone the other way where it's all become very serious and very underworld and, you know, picking apart everything and just like becoming like too overly involved in that and forgetting about the joy because mm. there's also something about you know so there's the shadow but there's also the light shadow which is the parts of ourselves that we don't want to accept that are really light so it's not only the uglies but it's also the joy the playfulness and all these things and the playfulness you speak to a lot and mm. we we've forgotten that so much as adults in the western world and that was a huge kind of atrophied like, state exactly and and it's awful because i mean i definitely sort of experienced that when i had young kids i was like i don't know how how to do this and it's horrendous but then when you start going through your own journey because as you liberate the dark shadow you also liberate the light shadow mm. and that is such an important thing to remember it's like you don't only do this heavy work to sort of stay in the heaviness it's like how do you also open up all these parts of yourself that you haven't accessed for whatever reason that are you know the joy the light the sparkle you know the the mischievous side of you the playful side of you and and we need more of that because you know there's the whole thing about like love and light and high vibe and all of that like always being high vibe it's like one of the things that i yeah i mean we need to experience everything but to really truly genuinely and integrity bring up the vibration of humanity or the earth or whatever we need to be in these states of joy mm. and really quite kind of make space for them what do you do on a daily basis that brings you joy it could yeah. be from eating a piece of chocolate to going dancing spending time with people who make you laugh and really diligently start bringing that into your life because yeah, we nice. need that yeah, this is nice because that, that's almost like some take-homes to bring in the light, right? Yeah, exactly. Because there is the work that we need to do and it's not pleasant, it's heavy. and But we also need to remember, and that's, again, going back to the human and the 100 human experience of like, you know, people singing together, people laughing together, and the lightness that comes up. The play you know? element. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very playful. You just feel how it starts kind of, you know, and yeah. that's the beauty of it. And again, it's attractive, right? It yeah. pulls you in, it draws you in, it's relatable again. Mm -hmm. You know, even like, you know, who are you more drawn to? Yeah. You know, uh, someone that's the light. Yeah. I mean, there's extremes of that, right? Yeah. No, there's the those who are completely like bypassing everything and yeah, all the demons yeah, yeah. are sitting next to them waiting. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. yeah. We're still here. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay. Like what? Um. What? What about the? Okay. So the darker shadow. What? We have a few kind of practices towards the lighter work. You know, be more playful. Mm -hmm. View your landscape maybe opportunistically as through a playful lens. Can I balance on the wall over here? Mm. Can I dance with the kids? Can I get some banging tunes on and maybe show them how to dance every now and then? You know. Mm -hmm. Um. 
crawl around the lounge or jump up on the furniture, you know? Yeah. Um, but that, that darker work, you know? How to approach it? You mean? How do we, how, yeah, you know, I guess for someone that's just on the run of the ladder, mm -hmm. you know? I think everything starts with awareness and the best way to recognize where our shadow is, is what do you keep on doing over and over and over, you know, same thing, different faces, different environments, but you're just kind of like stuck in a loop. Mm. And that's basically your subconscious that's playing out. So about 6% of what we do is like conscious and then 94% subconscious. The subconscious isn't the subconscious because it's painful. And it's also been protecting us. So there's a benevolent force behind it. It's not all bad, but it's an outdated sort of operating system. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, somebody who was growing up in a very chaotic environment wants to be controlling so that they can feel safe, but then in adulthood it becomes a nightmare. So it's starting to recognize the patterns. It's almost you become a detective. You're in the beginning. It's it's tiring because you're like, oh my god, do I need to really pay attention to everything? You don't have to pay attention to everything. Start noticing the patterns. Do you recommend journaling with that? Um, journaling can be good. I'm terrible with journaling personally, uh, but I, I have a journal for my journal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just I left them both at home because I didn't do it. But as I'm shaving myself, hold on a minute. That same pattern keeps playing out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's first of all start getting curious. You know what is repeating itself, and where do I feel stuck, and where am I unhappy? Mm. Basically. Very often we see that in our relationships, you know, like you think that you're done with a certain, you know, way of doing things and you meet someone like, oh, so different, so different from, you know, the person that I had a hard time with. Little, you know, do you know, six months down the line, it's like, oh my God, it's the same person, just in a different package. But what's the common denominator? Mm -mm -mm -mm. You. So... This and it didn't a... start off like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that's what's deceiving in the beginning. Mm. So it really is kind of like almost, you know, being curious about the red threads in your life, getting curious also about your conditioning. So we all get conditioned by, you know, our primary caregivers, often our parents or a surrogate parent, who is going to tell us this is how you need to be in the world and this is how you need to be in our family so that you don't get rejected by the family. Yeah, abandoned, ostracized. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you get rejected by the family, then you basically die. I mean, if you take it from a very primal yeah, level. Instinct, so yeah. it's all survival. So how do you start looking at these belief systems? And that's very often what happens when people start having a spiritual awakening or midlife crisis, however you want to call it. They're like, oh my God, like this is who I've been my whole life. Is this really it? And do I want to be that person? Because there's often a break that's going to show you, okay, like, you know, you need to stop and you need to kind of take stock and look at what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the entry point to shadow work is like really getting curious about your patterns and where you're stuck and where you're having issues. And then the work is going into it, which is very unpleasant because it's, you know, such a powerful way of protecting yourself. So you have to have the willingness to get your, you know, heart cracked open somehow. And it's uncomfortable, but journeying with someone who can lead you through it it can be initiations, it can be plant medicine, it can be working one-to-one -one with someone. Yeah. Those are the ways. And, and it just requires a huge amount of willingness and courage.
But usually you get to that stage where you can't continue. For whatever reason, you're like, okay, I can't continue being the way I've been. It could be an illness also that brings you that. Yeah. Divorce, losing your all your money, a business that goes bust. It's usually quite sort of, you know, if you haven't... The signs, they start speaking to us very early on, actually. But they're much more subtle. And then we don't listen because we want to stay in our lane and do our thing and not change anything. And then they get louder and mm -hmm. louder and louder until it hits you in the face. And just show you it in different environments and with different beings. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The nudge. Yeah. Beautiful. Where can people find you? They can find me. Um on social media, on Instagram, and my handle is Akasha, A-K-A-S-H-A dash awakening yep. or underscore awakening. And my website is akasha-awakening.com. And then there's my book also, which is Your Loved Essential Spirit Guides and Guardians. Go again. Go on. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. <laughs> you are loved. You are loved. Essential Spirit Guides. Yep. And guardians. Beautiful. And you can find them on all the different distributors. Catherine, you are loved. Thank you, Tony. Thank you are you. loved. Amazing. Thanks for coming. Thank on. you. Thanks. Thank you Thanks for, for sharing. Having. We need to close this now, right? We do. Yeah. Yeah. How do we close it? The reverse way of the way we opened it. So okay. we just close our eyes okay. and um I now release the spirit of the within, the great mystery. Thank you for being with us. I release the father above. Thank you for being with us. I release the great mother below. Thank you for being with us. I release the north and the element of earth. Thank you for being with us. I release the west element of air. Thank you for being with us. I release the, e uh, the south. And the element of water, thank you for being with us. I release the east, the element of fire, thank you for being with us. And I thank all the great spirits and helpers that we've had supporting us on this podcast. And for Tony and myself for being vehicles, what needed to be conveyed in this conversation. We give thanks to all of you ancestors and spirit helpers and release you. Blessed be. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you feel drawn to do so, then please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and don't forget to share. Sharing is caring. It really helps me to help others. If you're drawn to immersing yourself in any of the NatLife experiences, or see yourself as a NatLife coach, head to tonyriddle.com for details of how to immerse yourself in the community. You can follow my adventures on Instagram at The Natural Lifestylist. Big shout out to Simon from We Are The Clarks for producing, filming, editing. Much love. Mm -hmm.